Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Okay, Elizabeth Dale Phillips. We, you're the fourth person I've had to apologize for either losing or something happening to your interview because it was so good. And then when it went to post, it was four minutes because we started over and didn't record it. So we would have had a four minute interview. So thank you for your patience on this technology. No, we didn't train for that as bluebells. <laughs> so there's a learning curve of just living through COVID with Zoom and all that. So I really appreciate you being patient. Um, first, you can tell us where you are right now, and then we don't normally ask a woman's age, but I think it's very relevant to your interview because you're going to represent an era um, that we really want to make sure we broaden out the spectrum of bluebell dancers from brand new to way back when a lot of us don't know those stories. Okay. Well, I did start off in England, but now I live in the States in Charlottesville in Virginia, and I'm 80. So when Yay! I was a bluebell girl, I was 20. I had my 21st birthday as a bluebell girl. So what got you into dancing or singing, acting? Like what was your childhood like as far as like performing or just taking classes or what was that like for you? I, let me see, my mother was a piano teacher. Therefore that was the main thing I did. But then also I sang and I acted at anything at school where there was the opportunity to sing and act. Um, when I was going to leave school, I was going to go to a drama school. I was going to go to the prep school of RADA, the Royal Academy in Dramatic Art. Um, that summer, they took my place away. I have no idea. We got a letter saying um, that will, um, we can no longer offer you a place. Um, and so I, I, I went back to the teacher who had uh, got me ready for the original audition and said, okay, I'm now going to apply for Big Rada. Um, I need more lessons. <laughs> I've got to be better. Um, and as we were working on that, he said, well, you know, you, you sing and you act, you really ought to learn to dance. So I went to, I went to a dance studio in Birmingham. I lived in a big city happily and there was a huge studio and there was a woman there who, um, who provided the, the, um, dance groups for all the Christmas pantomimes, many Christmas pantomimes. And so after I'd taken lessons for about two months, then she put me in a pantomime. She asked me if I'd like to be in a pantomime as a singer, because obviously I couldn't dance. I'd only had two months of lessons. <laughs> so there were 12 girls. Um, there were two singers and I was to understudy the principal girl. And so we went in December, we went for the, we, was in the potteries north of Birmingham. And during rehearsal, the choreographer said, well, you know, you two singers, you're standing around looking silly. Uh, learn the dances. So we went about, we learned the dances. Um, you know, and now the dances couldn't have been very difficult because I don't think we stood out as not being able, as far as, I didn't think we stood out. Now we did have a tap number and we had to wear tap shoes, which was, uh, treacherous but I, <laughs> I made sure I knew when you know when there was going to be silence to make sure I was silenced that was the main the main thing about tap dancing as far as I was concerned 
Um, and at the end of that, and that ended in February, I then tried to get more singing jobs and I wasn't that, I mean, I wasn't ready. And so I did not get any more singing jobs. After I was out of work for a while, I then uh, got some, um, I took a um, shorthand typing course and with a friend went to live in London. So now I could earn a living. About that time, so we're now in about 1959. And how old are you at this time? Um, I would have been 19. Okay, just out conquering the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've gone to the big city. And so I was going through an unhappy romance. And my mother, of course, wanted to make me a happy person, like mothers do. And she found this cutting in the paper. And at that time, there were many cuttings in the paper um, about the Bluebells. We all knew about the Bluebell girls. Mm. Um, they were, every time there was a new Bluebell girl from was newly employed from your city there was always the local paper always had a photograph of her and something about the um you know something about her and uh how much she was going to earn and what you know splendiferous city she was going to work in so uh my mother cut out this article and sent it to me and in the, the last bit of the article it said if you are five foot eight and have had any dance experience get in touch with peter baker so i was any. five foot eight and i'd had some dancing experience hadn't i so um so i got in touch with peter baker so i went to his apartment and he saw what i could do um i, I can't remember what i showed him but i showed him something and then he asked me to go to the next audition miss bluebell used to come across to london i think about every month and in the stage newspaper, the ad was in every time. You knew everybody, everybody knew when she was coming because there was oh. always an ad in the stage, you know, like variety. We had the stage. Yep. And uh, so when I went to the audition, she said, I really like you. No, I really like everything about you. But and this must have gone on a little while because I, my main thing is that there were all these positive things. And then at the end, she said, but you can't dance. And so, um, but she must have told me, all I can think is she probably said something, but I'd like to see you again. Why don't you talk to Peter Baker? She probably said something like that. And then he told me to go to this studio in London three times a week. And it was a studio where out of work dancers, ballet, it was a ballet studio. Mm um and i did that for three hours a week and i went i think an hour and a half saturday morning as well uh for and that was from january to about july and every time i knew miss bluebell was going to be in town and i could see because in the stage i'd see when she was coming i i went to the audition to remind her and show her what i was learning mm. i can't believe i had the nerve but i did I, <laughs> that says something that definitely says something um and then um, in about July, Peter Baker said, Miss Bluebell wants to send you to Las Vegas. But it was a but. Um, <laughs> you've got to be able to do the splits and you've got to be able to kick your right leg as high as your left. So they must have had a can-can number. It was going to be a, a new show starting in Vegas. And you have a week to do it. And so, you know, I lived with a bunch of people and they pushed my shoulders down. They did. I had a hard time. I'm sure anyone who was living in that apartment now still remembers what, what yeah. went on. 
department. <laughs> and everybody knew any exercise that hurdlers did, you know, I knew all those exercises. But no, no, I'd loosen up at night and then the next morning I'd be just as tight as I'd been the night before. So the end of the week, I still could not go. So I did not go to Las Vegas. And then Peter Baker just wouldn't believe I couldn't do it. So he would see me and I'd go around to his apartment. No, no, I really couldn't do it. And then he would call me and say, I'm doing all the paperwork for the, uh, the work permits. No, you still can't. No, 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 no. And then, um, so I didn't go. And then about probably one week later, I suddenly had a phone. There was a message. I got home from work. There was a message on the phone. Peter Baker wanted to hear from me. It was a Monday night. And uh, he said, you're going to Italy the next Monday. Wow. And I was in the Bluebell. I was a Bluebell. Wow. So no <laughs> time to prepare. You just like, oh. No, wow. Where did you guys, re did you rehearse in Italy? Yes, in Milan. So that was mid-August. Um, well, I have to tell you to start, you know, we had to meet at Victoria Station under the clock. I mean, it was just like a, oh, <laughs> a movie. movie. There was a meeting place in Victoria Station. And there were four new girls. Some of the girls were already in Paris. So there were four new girls and I think three old girls, you know, there's three gorgeous looking girls with their chignons and their lovely and there's us, us girls, you know, you can tell which were which. <laughs> the newbies. <laughs> it's so interesting. Even when you talk about like waiting for the phone call, it's just probably for the younger, you know, you get an email or whatever, but back then, like if you're waiting for a job and not, and there's not even answering machines, like you have to sit there and wait by that phone. If you're waiting for somebody to call you and you don't want anybody else to get that phone in case that one phone phone. And there was no phone in apartments. There were phones in the hall of a rooming house you lived in. So you had mess you had to hope that people left a message by the phone. You would look the message by the phone and see if anybody called. Oh my yeah, that just adds to that anticipation story different than like you're just gonna get an email like that you're and then there's like and you're leaving what two days to go to, to Milan? Yes. <laughs> wow. So that's like goodbye, fam goodbye family, goodbye England, and I'm going to go. Did oh. you have time to even get excited or was it just like oh, a blur? I was, oh, I was just thrilled. But then, you know, to stop, I first, I needed money. Let me see. I've got a temp job then. I was typing and I needed the money that I was earning money, but I needed money for the passport. My brother worked in London, so I'd rush around to his workplace to get some money until I did the passport. It was, and then I needed a signature from someone who had knew me but lived in England for two years. And my mother, I'm calling my mother, have I got to go down to Birmingham and I can do this? And then she figured out there was a doctor we knew. So I called this doctor and he said, I'll be passing, in 10 minutes, I'll be passing through Oh, Regent's Park tube station, be there. So I was, uh, I was in the entrance to, Park, to Regent's Park tube station just when he was to sign my passport application. It was very exciting. Oh my, and I think you said nobody in your family even had a passport. So you're the first one that's actually. That's right. It was exciting. Oh, oh that's gotta be exciting for your family and probably a little scary. There goes their, their daughter. Well, my parents do... came up that weekend, the, you know, because it was a Monday, we were leaving. So they came up there because my parents had a shop. They couldn't come up on the Saturday because they had to work in the shop. And anyway, they came up. But they came up. What was the rehearsal period like? Were you just feel, did you feel ready or did you feel out of your element or was, did you go, uh-oh? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, when we, 
first, when we got to Paris, I said, first we were met by the captain. Actually, I think it was Enid was the cap. Enid Mills was the captain of the first uh, group at the Stardust. I know she was a real historic uh, Bluebell captain. So she and Patrick met us at the first station. And, and Patrick is who, for those who don't know? Uh, Patrick Lamodi. I mean, Lamodi. Oh. Uh, is that her son? No, it's not her son. That's her son. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always good to get the context of how the family was all part of this. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, Patrick Eagle. So then they took us, then we went over to the other tra train station for them to get the Milan train and then Miss Bluebell and um, Florence and a dog were waiting for us. <laughs> <laughs> and they all took us for dinner. I'd never seen a steak before in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like the glamour life. Oh yeah, I, I, thought, I thought beef only came stewed and roasted. I didn't know it was steak. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so great. So to get to rehearsals, we, so Monday, Monday night, we were on the train, on the couchette, which can be pretty miserable. Um, and so, Enid said, they'll have heard, Enid, the captain, they will have heard that we're going to be arriving and they'll be at the station. The, the press will have heard that we, they'll oh. be waiting for us at the station. So we got ourselves all dolled up, but they were not waiting for us at the station. They had not heard. But then oh. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the pension, then we went to the theater and then Miss Bluebell had flown down. So she was there for our official entrance into the theater, like PR. Yeah. Like yeah, so there were photographs on the roof and on the street, which are right, which were in the newspaper the next day and then magazines the next week. Do you remember what that felt like to be like the celebrity all of a sudden? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. I remember it was wonderful. Like, wow. <laughs> Died and gone to heaven. <laughs> yeah. It was wonderful. When you said that um, there was different rules, and so even that, that you don't even start the show and you're already being photographed, so yeah. you, you can't be schlepping around and, you know, I'm, no, nobody wore sweats back then to travel like they do now, but there was an expectation. Can you tell what that was like for what you were expected to behave and dress like? And The first night at the pension, we were all sitting, we had dinner at the pension, we were all sitting on one table and Enid and there were some older, I say the old bluebells, the experienced bluebells who weren't too happy at this, but we all sat around with Enid and Enid proceeded to start her work at making the new bluebells into bluebells and critiquing us table manners oh really eyebrows color of lipstick and that first week every evening one of us went into her bedroom to have her eyebrows plucked and whatever and a hairstyle um she would figure out a hairstyle for us and my hair was awful i always had awful hair no i'd got crinkly 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 hair so i had to go every morning before we went to rehearsal, I had to go to her room and she did my hair for me. And, and she told me I had to wear hard rollers every night to try and straighten this crinkly. And I did the whole nine behind months. I wore these hard and it did straighten. She was right. <laughs> no. Did you, and did you, did you show your hair in the show or was it wigs or this was just for being seen in public that this, you had oh, just no, for we hair? Also, we, um, cause we, for some numbers, we had a, a lot of numbers. We wore a chignon. No, two. We had two switch. We had a switch. 
that you wound up for Shino. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just wow. like a long piece of hair that you had to buy. And of course, mine, I bought it and then it wasn't thick enough. So I had to buy a second one. So I had two that you swirl up. And you got pretty fast, but you wore that in the daytime. If you'd got hair that didn't, um, wasn't tidy, you wore it in the daytime. But then when you went to the hairdresser, I tried, I was always trying to save money. I thought, oh, I'm earning money. I'm going to try and save it. I'd never, to me, it seemed a lot of money. So I tried to get out of going to the hairdressers, but of course I couldn't. But she would actually tell you what style to do. Like I had to have a, a, um, oh, the, the oh, Monaco princess, Grace, Grace. Oh. Yes. Her, only in a severe style, whatever that, uh, I think it must have been a pleat of some kind of French pleat. But, um, yeah, and she told you what color to have your hair. Yeah, uh, that's so uh, different than, wow. So I, uh, you said you, how much money, do you remember how much money you made? I'm just curious what, like, what we would think was a, a lot back. Because I remember, like, even... Well, you know, because, of course, that was English. I'd had English salary. It was four times what I was getting as a typist. But oh. we had for a pension and we had to eat in restaurants so really um and you had to get buy some better clothes yeah you had to be dressed <laughs> you didn't have to have a lot of clothes but you had to have nice clothes so what was that tour like did you have like the the press waiting for you you can tell like the whole thing i love to hear how many cities and what that was like to travel and and to be in a different place and how you were treated all that you want to tell of what that tour was like because it's such a glamorous but also kind of restricted too it's oh, turning yeah. a bunch of young girls loose in Italy doesn't seem like a good idea <laughs> we had so many rules uh, I'm going to 52 towns to answer your one question oh. uh, you know the big to start with the rules that were in his rules that you know we had to look good all the time all the time which meant going even to the pension reception desk you had to have makeup on full makeup on and full dress you know no running down in your robe yeah <laughs> uh, would i ever um and um i'm trying to think what what things uh let's see how long uh, did you stay in each city was it you get there just <laughs> enough to set up and do a show and leave again rome three weeks uh, we were in, we went to Florence, we were, no, we were in Florence about 10 days, Naples about a week, Venice a week. Um, we went all down, oh, we were in Genoa over a week, Torino a week, we were all in places a week. Um, um, we did advertising in Milano, we um, got paid to advertise a car. So, there was a, a British and an Italian car company joining over some car and they were going to have a hundred personalities and we were going to have to be 12 of them. And that was sort of fun. Being oh my 12. gosh. Then there were, you know, we're looking around, see who the, the, uh, the Italian film stars are, of course. But it's because uh, we would stay together. You see these 12, you know, very tall girls going around. It was beautiful. <laughs> Did you get to see much of each city or was it busy like getting ready for the show or did you get to actually get out? I mean, also the little celebrity status. Did you get to be taken around or were you on your own to explore a city? Like how did you guys do that as, as a group of bluebells? Did, did you always do things together and did you get to play? Um, 
the trouble is we were 20. <laughs> we, you know, yeah. we were young. Um, and looking back, I did nothing. That's what I look back. My mother came to Rome and we looked, did masses. I took every tour we could. You know, we oh, got good. up early in the morning and we saw everything. So Rome, I saw a lot. And in Naples, a couple, two, a few of us went, we went over to Capri and we did Pompeii. Um, but really, oh, in Venice, we did, we did not do a lot of touring. But, you know, we had horrible hours. This was because the show didn't end till one something in the morning, which means yeah. you didn't get up. By the time you had breakfast, you didn't want to get up till lunchtime. And so you yeah. messed it up for the afternoon. And then you had dinner. And then you did a show which started at nine something. It, it were miserable hours. <laughs> yeah, but, that's a hard place to see it. City, yeah. when, were the theaters kind of similar? Did you guys travel with sets or was it pretty much just like a cabaret setting? Like how, does it go no, city it, to city? Uh, no, it was, um, the show um, had a story. So it had sets and, you know, it didn't fit, always fit in and things didn't work. I mean, some places they certainly didn't work and they had great, we had our presentation number, had a great big, uh, huge staircase, like, I'm not huge, not huge Las Vegas style, huge, yeah. but eight or nine foot off the ground, you know, just regular huge. <laughs> but that didn't. Did, did you guys travel by train between oh. cities? And so the sets and all that and costumes are all. That's where they didn't go. That didn't go by uh, train. That way always went by truck. By truck. Okay. Except in Venice. In Venice, we had to go across to the um, uh, Lido. So I guess it went by, had to go on a boat there. What was, what was the show like? Do you remember, like, what, what was the dancing? Because if you had been new to dancing, never got your splits, which probably saved yeah. your hips in the long run. What, what was the show like as far as the dancing and, like, the costuming? Um, not like Las Vegas. No, not a feather in sight, unfortunately. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> not a feather, no. Uh, <laughs> not feather. Um, the um as you go back to the rehearsals you know because i couldn't dance that was hard work and the rehearsals lasted from mid-august until it opened the show opened about the 25th of september 20 it kept moving i don't know how you can have a moving opening day but they had a moving you know <laughs> we suddenly have new posters in town with a different date on which seemed quite bizarre but they oh did. wow <laughs> well it was <laughs> yeah we'll get there when we get there and the first two weeks, I had a just terrible time. You know, I, they had me in tears. They were warning. Four of us were going to go home. We know we were in, they were warning us we would be home. We were going to go back. We'd be find our way back in ourselves back in England. But, and I know, twice I know I was fighting back tears. You know, I wrote a lot of letters, so I sort of know how I, how many times I cried. <laughs> and I, yeah. I know I was just almost in tears. And, um, and it obviously was a very, very long three weeks. But by three weeks, I was fine. Three weeks I was in. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't the dances. I don't think the dances were that difficult. It was learning, picking up sequences of steps, because I'd never done that. And, and, you know, we'd learn steps, and I would get the steps, and then suddenly, of course, we'd had spacing. I'd never done spacing. I'd never had to look people on the side. I'd never, yeah. I mean, and of course, I would be at the end if we had two rows, I would be at the end, but then dances don't just stay in two rows. <laughs> you know, I'd still be going other places on the stage. But that was, it was, um, it, 
well, and it got easier, of course, because once you've had two weeks of, you know, many, 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 many hours learning sequences of steps, it gets a little easier. Because if you, if even if you wanted to quit, you still you're in another country. Getting yourself home, oh, I wouldn't. Would be a bit daunting to like. Okay, did you did you consider quitting or just never, never, you, never, never, never? You just okay, I'm going to do this. Wow. No and way. you're a bluebell. That's what's so great. It's like, oh, and now you're a bluebell no, no, touring to, to my hometown and say, oh, I was a bluebell and I quit. No way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a whole nother level of why you need to stay in there. Did, did your hometown do anything for you? That since do you, did you make it in the paper for your town that you're going, that you got hired as a bluebell to tour? That's point. No, I don't, because I had, I wasn't living there at the time. No, actually, okay. had, no, I was living in London. That's okay. Right. I wasn't going to a dance school or any, no, probably Miss Bluebell didn't even know I came from Birmingham, actually. No. <laughs> so how long was that tour total? Nine. Well, the whole thing was nine months. Nine months. And that's like city, a week here, a week there. Yeah. Was it exhausting? Because I think travel is exhausting. And then like your rest gets all messed up of trying to be in a new city and load in a show and after staying up late. <laughs> But you're also young. I just remember I handled things different when I was 20 than I would now. So I don't, you got young girls with lots of energy. One night stands was tiring. And I, people would pick up illnesses. And I think, I mean, just think how many bathrooms and restaurants and all the things that we would, when you're touring, particularly in Italy, particularly yeah. in Italy. I mean, there were a lot of... Yeah. I don't so think. how did the Italian men uh, respond to these Bluebell girls coming into their cities? I'm, <laughs> I'm only asking because you told me a little something and I'm just thinking if you're already getting this much press, <laughs> you can't really disguise these oh, Amazon tall women. Levels. Okay. We had various, first we had, this isn't quite answering your question. We had the big, I didn't realize to start with the big, big rule and probably the bane of our captain, the thing that made the captain's life the hardest is that we were not allowed to date people in the company, which was crazy we just yeah. <laughs> like we're 20 <laughs> you know that i don't know how many married at the end <laughs> oh really oh you know who knows if they actually married because italians seem to have a wife somewhere and but people stayed there with the men that they met in the company afterwards in the company of the hotel, they were they weren't part of Bluebell's company, were they? Or they were? No, well, no, they were part of. They were nothing to do with Bluebell, you know. We okay, this, the Blue company Bell. meaning the company of dancers, the dancers, and yeah. Okay, wow. They were. We were not allowed to date anyone in the company, which was dancers and actors or anyone backstage or anyone. We were not allowed. Oh wow. Because you had said something that kind of cracked me up. It was like, they just wanted a bluebell for a wife. It didn't matter which one. Just, oh, that was yes. <laughs> me. I was in a town, I was in San Remo, and a man was paying attention to me. And, and the group of men that had, the girls knew from a prior year, you know, they'd opened apparently what they would do. Well, they'd done it, they did for us, and they'd done it other times. They would open up a restaurant. The show was earlier there, so we were able to have a restaurant opened for us afterwards on the front. It was lovely. No. Yeah. Um, and um, the next day, and they, they said, the girl said to me, oh, he was engaged to so-and-so. The girls seemed to be, all seemed to know what had happened to other girls. They'd so-and-so, he was engaged to so-and-so last year. And I thought, that is bizarre. Okay, so 
I saw him. <laughs> I asked him what happened. So he said, oh, bad, bad, bad girl, bad, bad, bad girl. So then he comes and sees me at other cities and asks me to marry him. So it just seems he wanted to marry a bluebell. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys are like, yeah, there's like this Crazy. celebrity thing. Oh my gosh. I know. And I'm, I'm, are you towering over most, because this is like when you're, when you're that tall, you're all hanging out together. When you get out in public, you realize, I think you were saying that too, like, you know, all of you are standing there and everybody else is walking yeah. by these little yeah. people. <laughs> Yeah. Not little, but yeah, it is. You start to realize when you get a few bluebells together that you do stand out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yep. We were tall. I mean, we walked to a restaurant, and we because we were touring, we were so often together. You know, because we were, we would all have to go to after a show at night. Um, there'd probably only be one restaurant open, so therefore we'd all be together. So you all arrive, huge pile of you, all being. Did they? Did they restrict you from going off and doing things by yourself? Were there any rules about that? Like if you wanted to go explore like Florence by yourself, could you, or was that? On the daytime. Yeah. In the afternoon. Yeah. They gave you freedom to do that. Who was traveling with you? Was Miss Bluebell with you on the tour? No, no, no. Uh, Libovici came to us probably every six weeks. He came, but he always came secretly. You never knew he was in town. He, he, somebody would suddenly, uh, you know how in a few, uh, recently you had on one of your podcasts, someone said Johnny Depp was in the audience. Yes. Okay, yes. well, that's how it was with us. Somebody was on the front row, would turn to the back and say, Lebo was in the audience. <laughs> would he kind of want to see if you were really performing fully without? Yeah. Did you guys oh, keep that yeah, I mean, he would come and he would, you know, come fly in that day and he'd actually be up somewhere on stage, but he'd get in there, you know, up from one of our numbers. Yeah. Really? In the audience. So he'd be standing or one of the backstage workers would tell us, they said, we've seen him, you know. <laughs> wow. That does keep you on your toes, but that's a little frightening. And did you say like, it was like a Bluebell's son was part of it? Like, I feel like there's family members that oh, were, yes. Um, what was their role in this if they weren't traveling with you? Okay. Well, I told you the first bit when we were in Paris, sort of from seeing us from hotel to, to station to station. And then when Naples, the whole, sh it went from August to May. In March, we were in Naples and Enid, the captain, had a call from a group. We had a group in Rome. There was a group doing a weekly TV show. They had had a call from France to tell that Mr. Libibicio had been killed in a car accident. And Patrick was in the car also, but he was going to be fine. Um, just before, so that was March, uh, right before the end of the show. So like very end of April, we were told we were, we'd been down to, we went to Sicily and then came around the East Coast and Miss Bluebell was going to come down as she couldn't send Libo now. She, she, she was coming and then at the last minute, um, Patrick came. I mean, he was just amazing. He was 20 years old. I mean, I suppose he'd been used to being around the uh, girls on the Lido, but I stood there just amazed. You know, he's my age in a dressing room with a whole pile of very good looking girls with robes, you know, just around <laughs> yeah. almost things. And he's just doing, I mean, he, he didn't look comfortable, but he just did very professionally what he'd come to say and do. Like he had to admire Right. It's a good place to hang out. You guys weren't, there was no topless in this show, was it? No, 
No. Because it's, that's not, Italy's not a place you're going to bring in a topless. Yeah, we da the dances as well. Yeah. Were there, do you know if there were even topless shows back in the 60s? Did Blue Belt, was a Lido? The Lido had some showgirls, yeah. Some showgirls. Okay, I'm just curious. So that was always been part of that. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in the, um, back in London going to that dance class, there was two of us and the other girl went to Paris. She went before me. She went, and she went to the Lido as a showgirl. Um, was that considered scandalous when people knew that? Or? Okay. Oh, yes. Because I heard suddenly Joan, this other dancer, wasn't a class. And we were buddies, of course. We were the two, you know, Peter, Peter, whatever his name, Peter Baker's protégés. Okay. <laughs> and the teacher said, oh, I heard from Joan. She's gone to the Lido. And I thought, oh, well, you know, she's been here longer than me. And, I'll, you know, my day will come. And a little bit later, then she arrived at class, fully, fully dressed, not for exercise clothes. And, and she said, oh, I, I went and I was a showgirl. And so I was horrified. I was on the phone that night to Peter Baker saying, I heard Joan was a showgirl. I hope you realize I'm not going to be a showgirl. <laughs> I said, oh, he quite understood that. So that was, that was how it was in that day. You know, there was this, I realized it changed, but you know, this was Oh, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. In Paris, that was not a big deal, but like in America, like you say topless, but I would London as well. Yeah, I think like that's not not everywhere is like oh that's beautiful. Yeah. So what was your favorite part of touring? Do you have anything that stands out of of that just? I a lot of I'm trying to think. I loved seeing myself looking gorgeous. I never got tired. Did you ever oh, get tired? No, I love that you just said that. I'm so glad that you said that. Yes, absolutely. That, you know, the, those, those theaters, you know, weren't so many theaters, but sometimes there would be a big mirror outside a dressing room and you think, wow, if they could see me now in high school. You know? Did anyone, did, did people from your school know what you did or did anyone ever see you do that? Because I think, that is something like, okay, they need to see what I'm doing and <laughs> I've blossomed. I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I've just been in touch with some, the girl I was living with in London. I just, you know, after 60 years, we've just gotten in touch. That's what you do in days of COVID. Just got yes. in touch. And I just had, she's living in Ireland. She said, oh, you do you dance or sing anymore? And I thought, oh, that's so nice. Somebody remembers I danced and sang. <laughs> no, that was, uh, but no, I don't know. I don't know. When we did the last interview that I asked, that deleted is somewhere out in the atmosphere, you had said at the, I think it was not even in the recording that you, you hadn't told your story about, about those years for 59 years. Like you hadn't talked to any about that. And that was like, it touched me so much. I think that's a really sweet thing of every interview. Some of us have never, nobody, if they don't understand it or they don't know that part of your life, like how do you bring it up? Oh, by the way, I toured Italy as, as a bluebell dancer. Talk to a bluebell. This is, I've never talked to a bluebell. I'm always, you know, over here, I'm from the States, over here where you are. But, you know, yeah. I came, I first married, I married three times. The first two times I married Englishmen, so they knew what bluebells were. <laughs> they knew yeah. what they were marrying, okay. My, <laughs> my current husband, who I've been married to 30 years, does know what, it, but I, he certainly knows what a bluebell is now. Um, <laughs> but just generally, nobody knows what a bluebell is, as you yeah. in regular life. And that's why I think it's really fun to like share stories with people that like, because every little bit of yours, like I did do that era, but there's so many things that were familiar that I can feel that like, oh my gosh, yes. Like every little piece of everybody's story just kind of helps another little bit of that memory come up and like to realize how special. 
Oh, so did you decide you were done or did you, after the tour, did you, did you get offered anything or did you want to keep doing this? Oh, you know, since we talked last time, I, why did I? Firstly, I was not, of course, a first-class dancer. I mean, you know, that didn't improve my dancing that much. You know, we didn't ever have dance classes. I really, all the only dancing I could do, my dancing probably got worse during the (laughs) class. Um, And I got a boyfriend in Canada I'd planned to go out with, but I go out there, but I didn't have to do that. Um, And also I was, in those days, you expected to get married by the time you were about 22, and I was already 20. There was that. Yeah. Look around the theater, there was so much promiscuity. I thought, oh, you know, the, I don't see myself seeing a husband in this world. This is yeah. what I thought then in those, and you know, it's a different time. You have to. Yeah, um, that's, that's definitely part of this, what, what it would um, be like to be 20 and already have seen like Italy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also another thing is that this, you know, you had to go home. You went home for a few months and waited to be called for your next job. And that to me seemed a bit nerve wracking. I knew one girl type did shorthand typing as well. So she said she went home and got a job the next day and you could, you could get temp jobs very easily. So I didn't know what to work. Um, it was just a lot of niggly jobs, but you know, I just loved that travel. I just loved, that was the part, I just loved the travel. Love looking gorgeous and love travel. <laughs> and what so, a great place to go. Italy, I, th- I finally went like two years ago. I've always wanted to go. And it was like, oh, it's everything I had hoped and more. And so to get to do that at 20 and get yeah. paid for it and to be celebrated, I'm like, what a, I mean, I mean there's other places you could have traveled that wouldn't have made that so much fun, even though you didn't really get to see, but you did get to experience Italy. I would say one thing I went, no, I would have never done. I don't know if, you know, Positano, the mountain, you know, that area. Okay. The, ca- the captain, Enid, she knew some men from some other, we weren't in Positano because we were in a town just further down. Somebody called and wanted four girls for, for an evening, for a dinner. They just wanted us dinner. So we went to go up to Positano. If you can imagine, I mean, I would never in a thousand years get invited to such a place. On the rock at the front, there are houses in that rock. And you go out and it's like the balcony is just in the rock. <laughs> I know, it's just oh. incredible. Oh, just incredible. I mean, that was one of my, just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that was one of my thrilling things that I would never have had the opportunity to do. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the thing I think I've talked to a lot of people, the opportunities to not just the dancing, but the things that you got to do that if you had stayed in your town, you may never have experienced. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you go on to have a career or what, did you stop no. dancing? No, I went to, I had children young and then just as soon as they were like age two and four, I started going, I went to evening high school. First, I'd got high school in England, but the States didn't recognize that. So that one semester, then for seven years, I went to evening junior college. Then I got a degree in social work. And then I decided, so then I got a degree in accounting. And for 21 years, I got a CPA and I was an accountant for 21 years with the state of um, state of California. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. But I think that's a really good part too, because you got to have that in your twenties and go do that. But then also like, what do people do afterwards? Because I think there are some people it's only dance. It's all they, they can, they have in their mind. They don't, you know, 
that's what they're going to do until they can. And some people, I experienced it. And then I did something else. I think it's really great to hear what happens after those years. You don't just drop off somewhere and disappear. You create a life. Well, just even the whole, um, the bravery, like how you kept showing up for Bluebell when she would come into England, like just that, like just the tenacity shows like, I'm just thinking like times are different in the sixties for what was, what was there for women? You know, a young woman is like, you know, you're going to maybe be a wife, maybe be a teacher. And so like, Oh, I'm going to be a Bluebell and tour Europe, tour Italy is like, that's a, that's not the route that a lot of women in that era would have chosen. Yeah. So we're at the, uh, it's so interesting, Elizabeth, and this might sound like a very strange compliment, but you're the most beautiful 80 year old I've ever seen. And people can't see you on here, but you're so gorgeous. And as I, as you talk, I feel like your face was getting younger as you were remembering that days and like, Oh, I can not a feather. I can't picture you in a feather headdress because you didn't wear that, but I can so picture you in your statuesque at that 20 year old. Like it's all right there on your face. And so, yeah, it's like you're, you're stunning and it's not just about beauty, but there is something that's just really to see that life in you at 80 is really encouraging. Cause I think we need to see women our age and older to see who's alive and thriving and full of life. Because I think that the, we're changing what we think age is. And I think every time I talk to bluebells that are, you know, older than 20, there's just something in the, in the grace of aging that, you know, instead of saying, Oh, I miss my glory days when I could do the splits or kick my right leg. But I feel like there's, there is something of aging well and owning your beauty instead of just like longing for those days where, you know, yeah, no, it, it is interesting. Aging just isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Being <laughs> 80 isn't that bad. It just isn't. It, in some ways, it's, it's good because I'm not the most disciplined person, but it makes you disciplined. Like, I want to get that done. Well, <laughs> no. Yeah. What are you <laughs> waiting for now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you just seem so full of life and so vibrant. And this this was so fun. And I, I love that you reached out to me because I was starting with people I knew and then it's expanded. And, and when you told me your story, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I was looking for. I really wanted to have those stories of what was it like in the 60s? What was it like in the 70s? Because it, it changed over the years. And the fact that you were working more like, you know, with a fam with Bluebell's family and a lot of, a lot of people don't really have any connection to that. Yeah. To that. So thank you for taking the time to do this. You're just thank delightful. You are doing. This is wonderful. Thank you. Okay. And you Bye. sent me some pictures. I'm excited to post your pictures because they're wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay. Thank you.